Hi, I am Martin, and this is Words That Change You. Words fly all around us. Kind words, silly words, angry words. And they do so all day long. But how often does something written or spoken really feed our souls? Wouldn't it be nice if beyond the noise we could listen to words that make a difference? Words that change us. In Words That Change You, we'll examine words, events, concepts that have impacted us lately and see whether we could not glean some nuggets of wisdom to feed on and some tools that apply that for our lives. Tune in and be surprised. I don't remember, pretty much in the center of Vienna in a beautiful park, stands a statue of Johann Strauss. For those not so familiar with European music, he is the father of waltzes, a particular type of pieces which gets people dancing and which makes Austria famous, among other things. Why such a monument? Given the cultural influence of Strauss, the city of Vienna thought it was only appropriate to honor the king of the waltz with such a statue. But again, why? The very simple answer is so that future generations, including innumerable tourists, would remember him and possibly even ask, who was this man? Both in Vienna and in most other cities, some of those monuments are of a more dubious nature, given the heroes being honored had a checkered, if not even completely sinister past. No wonder that the tearing down of statues of Lenin or Saddam Hussein were acts of liberation and of breaking with the past. Yet it is true that statues, monuments, and similar objects are intended to jog people's memory. Statues are not the only objects that serve the purpose of remembering. People spend lots of money having a photographer produce pictures or videos of their wedding. My brotherhood just celebrated our 50th anniversary in order to recall our history and to express gratitude for it. Birthdays, anniversaries of somebody's death, national holidays, all serve the same goal. Why is memory so important? On a collective and societal level, it is essential for culture. As Elie Wiesel, the Holocaust survivor says, without memory, there is no culture. Without memory, there will be no civilization, no society, no future, end of quote. While we don't think about it very often, education is nothing else than passing on knowledge which we remember collectively. This was more obvious in cultures which did not rely on writing as a form of knowledge transfer, such as African and early Middle Eastern ones. There one learned many things by heart and made sure these things were correctly passed on to the next generation. Otherwise, you would have to reinvent the wheel in every generation. Yet, it also serves another purpose. When we remember, we might also draw some lessons from that knowledge. The famous adage of George Satyana illustrates that. Quote, those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it, end of quote. 
In other words, while societies, of course, remember many things in order to function, it is easy for them sometimes to forget some knowledge they once had. For example, we do not know how Rembrandt mixed some of his colors or how the pyramids were built. But more importantly, we remember lessons from the past, which one could call wisdom rather than knowledge. What is true on the collective level is also true on the personal one. In order to function, of course, we need to remember. This is why people with dementia become ever less capable of doing things on their own. And not only for old people are memories an important element of emotional life. It used to drive me crazy when aunts would look at me and say, I remember when you were a baby. But clearly, recalling those early days brings them pleasure. Wedding anniversaries, of course, mark that one has stuck together for one more year. But they also serve to remember the romance and first love, which accompanied the time around their wedding. Conversely, bad memories often cause people great pain. PTSD is an extreme example of what happens when one cannot shed the memories of very violent or stressful events. Because memory is so important, people spend a lot of resources to train it. Mnemonics, learning techniques, crossword puzzles are all techniques meant to sharpen our ability to remember things. Yet, our memories can also cheat us. Two examples. In court cases, lawyers often rely on witnesses who can recount what they had seen in order to prove or disprove a particular point. But we all know that those reports are often faulty because memories can change over time. My sister and I sometimes joke that we grew up in two different families because the things I remember and recount from our upbringing can be quite different from the ones she recalls. Part of that is, of course, a matter of perspective. But selective memory also plays its part, meaning that our mind can choose to hold on to certain memories while opting, consciously or unconsciously, to delete others. Every six to eight weeks, I stop by an old priest called Father Bob. He's 83 years old and lives in a little house about an hour away from my home. I visit him because in my church tradition there is the practice of sacramental confession, and that is what I seek from him. However, the reason I go to him for confession, rather than to any other priest living closer to me, is that Father Bob gives great advice. His mind is still as sharp as a steel trap, so he remembers a lot from the many books he has read. But even more so, he is a very wise man. Over the many years as a priest, he has experienced a lot of life. And given his profession, he has also seen a lot of life in others. And out of those many memories, he has distilled many lessons about, simply put, what works well for human beings and what doesn't. He does not simply recall those different experiences. He remembers them in a more profound way one which the Jewish Bible is full of. His memory does actually change his behavior. In the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the word zakar appears numerous times. 
the people of Israel are exhorted to remember, above all else to remember what God has done for them. They have special institutions, such as the weekly Shabbat ceremony, where they make an active effort to bring to mind various events, most notably the Exodus. One reason for doing this is so that the children in the family also learn the story. But more importantly, they want this memory to shape their behavior. Truly remembering in the biblical sense means internalizing the lesson to be learned, such as trusting in God, being generous, one's obligations, and then going and practicing them. If you ever see a pious Jew praying, you will notice the phylacteries, a small box containing a passage of the Mosaic Law, which he puts on his forehead as a symbol for remembering. Let us briefly consider situations in which it is actually better to forget. We already mentioned the case of traumatic experiences such as war, accidents, or personal injuries, which people do well to forget. There are even different tools and techniques to help people process and then, if not forget, at least make those events less salient in their memory. But we also all know people who harbor resentments and hang-ups because another person has slighted, hurt, or humiliated them. They cannot move on, and sometimes they even actively work on not forgetting what happened. Yet we know that such a behavior is toxic. Ideally, one musters the courage to work things out with that person. But if that is not possible, for example, because that person has passed away, then learning to forget and ideally also to forgive, maybe with the help of a counselor, is the right approach. To quote a quip by Albert Schweitzer, happiness is nothing more than good health and a bad memory. How is our memory? Are we forgetting the right things? Are we regularly taking the time to remember the good things that have happened to us? It is easy to take for granted the kindness of others the great experiences we have had, the times we were lucky? And are we expressing to those dear to us the fondness we have for some joint memories? Are we internalizing the lessons that life has been trying to teach us? And in other words, are we growing in wisdom? We don't necessarily need to set up a statue in our garden, but sometimes little mementos help jog our memories. This was Words That Change You with me, Martin Steinbreitner. It was produced by Fritz Lowy, Piroshka Kacha, Harry Kalef, and Jacob Dubibert. If you like this episode, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Also feel free to leave us feedback or questions on Facebook under Einstein Podcasts. Until next time.